Oh, Lord. <sighs> it's another week filled to the brim with Elon Musk news that we have to cover. I mean, yeah, I guess we don't have to cover it. Yeah. We would definitely be a lot happier just ignoring everything that this man manages to get up to, but he's one of the richest, most powerful, most influential people on Earth. And it might not always be fun, but it's definitely fascinating repeatedly seeing how fragile such a rich, powerful, and influential person's ego can be when they decide to live their life almost entirely online. We're getting to watch a social experiment play out live. A one-of-a-kind social experiment. And, you know, the whether or not you want to say it'll be a good read for future generations, there will definitely be a book that covers all of this that will, at the very least, be morbidly interesting. It's valuable data. It is. Yeah. So most of the Elon news this week is, of course, about Twitter, or as it's now known to residents of San Francisco, <clears throat> Titter. Haha. Which obviously is really not as funny as he thinks it is, yeah. despite the, uh, the very public like uh, that he's been giving to people who are like, get it? It's like boobs. Yeah. You... Okay. I just love, there's someone that just I keeps thought there was like maybe more to the joke than like just that. I was like, why is he insisting on this? But there's people that just reply to his tweets with, uh, you know, animated gifts from The Office. David, uh, was it David Brent on the on the yeah, uh, UK yeah. one? Yeah. Anyways, Twitter, which is now known to the U.S. government as X Corp, doesn't sound sinister at all, uh, is the company Elon spent $44 billion purchasing, and which he recently admitted he only purchased because a court was going to make him do it anyway. And Twitter's a mess. But Elon owns several other companies, too. So let's start with Tesla which is in a bit of a mess itself following some recent news revealed by Reuters. Tesla Inc. assures its millions of electric car owners that their privacy is and will always be enormously important to us. The cameras it builds into vehicles to assist driving, it notes on its website, are designed from the ground up to protect your privacy. But between 2019 and 2022, groups of Tesla employees privately shared via an internal messaging system sometimes highly invasive videos and images recorded by customers' car cameras, according to interviews by Reuters with nine former employees. And it continues, some of the recordings caught Tesla customers in embarrassing situations. One ex-employee described a video of a man approaching a vehicle completely naked. Also shared crashes and road rage incidents. One crash video in 2021 showed a Tesla driving at high speed in a residential area hitting a child riding a bike, according to another ex-employee. The child flew in one direction, the bike in another. The video spread around a Tesla office in San Mateo, California via private one-on-one -on -one chats like wildfire, the ex-employee said. Mmm, sickening. So yeah, that's pretty, um... Yeah, sickening and alarming. Uh, the report also notes that many of the recordings appeared to have been taken when the cars were parked and turned off. Well, they're never actually off. Right, which allowed Tesla employees to see into people's garages and comment on their contents. Uh, this included someone whose garage also contained a rare submersible car featured in a 1970s James Bond movie. Um, turns out that garage was Elon Musk's garage. Oh. Interesting. Hmm. Concerning. Looking, into, Looking this. into this. Anyway, this happened because, of course, Tesla customers signed off on this kind of surveillance, along with all the other data permissions that come with a semi-autonomous vehicle equipped with loads of cameras and sensors. They just didn't know that Tesla employee employees were viewing any of it for fun, for giggles, and maybe because they're horny. Yeah. But it also potentially runs afoul of government regulations, those pesky things. We need to get rid of the government. <laughs> if not here in the U.S., then still at least elsewhere where data privacy regulations are much more strict. 
seems like something the FTC might want to look into. They're already looking into Twitter for data privacy stuff, so just throw this one on the pile. Yeah. Germany's looking into stuff, throw it on the pile. Yeah, so Germany. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, the ever-growing list of government entities around the world that are in some degree of conflict with Elon Musk continues to grow. And um, we'll get to Germany in a minute, but yep. folks, you hate to see it. The Republicans in Congress who love Elon Musk for triggering the libs uh, don't feel quite as hot about Tesla's growing expansion into China. Um, this has been inevitable for a while. It's almost impressive how well Elon has managed to just keep his mouth shut about how much his car company needs China in order to survive while ingratiating himself to conservatives who see China as a mortal enemy. Yeah, you could have cut uh, that sentence in half and just said it's astonishing that Elon Musk has been able to keep his mouth shut. Well, he knows where he knows at least how to run a car company, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with the recent announcement of a big new Tesla factory in China, it was only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. uh, here's Reuters. Mike Gallagher, the Republican chair of the House of Representatives Select Committee on China's Communist Party, said he would like to know how Tesla CEO Elon Musk balances U.S. government support for Tesla and its operations in China. I'm concerned about this, Gallagher told Reuters when asked about the battery factory. Tesla seems entirely dependent, A, on the largesse of the federal government via tax breaks, and B, upon access to the Chinese market, Gallagher said. The sort of deals they've struck there seem very concerning. I'd just be curious to know how Elon Musk balances both of those, he said, adding that Musk's spaceflight venture, SpaceX, was, by contrast, a massive success story. So yeah, this committee was formed in January by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and its entire purpose is basically doing what they're trying to do to TikTok, but to every major American company that does business in China, mm -hmm. which is almost all of them. Seems like a tall order, just a, a way to blow off steam in Congress, but I mean, it still might mean Elon Musk having to testify before Congress about this, which would of course mean Elon Musk having to publicly say nice things about China because that's what you have to do to sell cars over there. Yeah. So that should be fun. Some fun cognitive dissonance for his biggest fans. And all connected to the, you know, potentially connected to the social media site that he owns where he has been known, specifically in regards to India, to directly censor certain types of speech. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it is very noticeable that he can, he has the ability to keep his big mouth shut when people who have he billions really, of dollars in the in the game... He fucking needs this. Yes. His, the EV market share for Tesla is being eaten away very quickly here in the U.S. by companies that have been making cars a lot longer than he has. And, and just... Flipped a switch and we're like, yeah, we're doing electric now. He needs China bad. Yeah. And he needs the Saudis bad. And he needs India bad. So he's down bad. And he needs his sugar bad. He loves he loves his donuts. I, I don't know. care what Jordan Peterson says. It's relatable. I like donuts too. Yeah. Well, but now for all the Twitter news. Buckle up. Elon's government troubles go beyond the US and China. Twitter is a social media network, and other countries have they can have some strict rules about how social networks work. In the nation of Germany, for example, they have pretty strict hate speech laws for very obvious reasons. They tried fascism once and it did not go well for them in the rest of Europe. Uh, and they would like to avoid that happening again and don't give a shit about how this might go against your American concept of free speech. Yeah. Um, we have demonstrable case studies. They've, they've pretty much settled the issue for yes. themselves over there. Mm -hmm. So Germany expects online companies to actively remove content that violates their hate speech laws, especially when they reach out directly about it. Hey, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but it's on your website. We're just giving you a heads up that this is bad and you should stop doing it. And it sounds like Elon Musk's Twitter has just sort of been ignoring them. In all likelihood, this was a job handled by a specific team of employees that was unceremoniously fired by Elon for not adding value to the company. But now the German government is threatening to remove a whole fuckload of value from the company. How much value, you ask? Well, here's the new republic. Twitter faces a possible $33 billion in fines. <laughs> More than the entire company is reportedly worth in Germany for failing to remove hate speech. And yeah, the... Recently, he valued it at $20 billion, so this is yeah. quite substantial. He, he stands to lose even more money on this deal. Exciting. I love it. I love the prison he's built for himself, and I love reporting on it. Meanwhile, owner Elon Musk continues to insist hate speech isn't increasing on the platform. Germany's Federal Justice Office, BFJ, announced on April 4th that it had begun the process to fine Twitter for repeatedly failing to address complaints about content that violates Germany's Network Enforcement Act. Known as NetsDG, the law requires social media platforms with more than 2 million followers to remove content that includes hate speech, abuse, threats, and anti-Semitism. Under the law, each individual case can result in a fine of up to 50 million euros. More than 600 cases of illegal hate speech on Twitter have been reported to the BFJ, according to TechCrunch. The German government is only acting on a handful of them, but if they expand their investigation to all of them, the fines could reach an eye-popping total of 30 billion euros, or about 33 billion dollars. And 600, that, I mean, surely they're just scratching the surface. I mean, you could fund the entire German government for probably decades just off the hate speech that appears on Twitter, Elon's Twitter, in a 24-hour period. There are people with the fucking N-word in their name. That are verified. Getting verified and getting boosted by the algorithm that favors posts by verified individuals. And only taken down on a very hands-on way. Like, it, it doesn't seem to have an automated system because there was a big blow-up today where someone posted a verified account with the N-word in its actual name and it was removed a couple hours later. But it's like it seems like a very... Uh, yeah, they, bad got, system. they got one guy doing the flagging and uh, yeah. So yeah, that's very exciting. Um, it would be surprising if Germany did try to find Twitter the full 30 billion euros. But it sounds like even in the best case scenario, Twitter is going to going to go through some trouble here. They're going to owe yeah. them some money, probably owe them some other guarantees. We're not sure how serious Germany is about fining companies, but we would imagine they're at least more serious than U.S. government agencies, which routinely let companies get out of breaking the law by paying fines that add up to less than the amount that they profited off breaking the law. It's yes. a fun system we have. Yeah. So that's Elon Musk versus Germany's hate speech laws, but this episode is a full ticket of Elon grudge matches. It's basically Elon's very own creator clash, <laughs> and he's fighting in every match. Yeah. So next up, it's Elon versus Substack. Ding, ding, ding. So your average person probably doesn't even know what Substack is. And that's because it's basically Patreon for journalists. There's a few big names on there, but they're only really big names to people who read a lot of articles. Now, interestingly, some of Substack's biggest names are former mainstream media journalists who have fully pivoted to just ranting about cancel culture and trans people nonstop and who think the idea of an editor fact-checking their reporting is oppression. In other words, the kind of journalists Elon would probably like. In fact, Exactly the kind of journalist that Elon would like, as evidenced by Elon granting Substack writers Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi the privilege of publishing those Twitter files from a few months back. Huh, so why would Elon suddenly decide to declare war on Substack, a niche blogging website whose top users all have large presences on Twitter? 
Well, last week, Substack announced Substack Notes, a new microblogging platform, which, well, yeah, it does look a whole lot like Twitter. People yeah. write stacks instead of tweets. They restack. Yeah. But at first glance, it's basically Twitter with a different color scheme. And on closer inspection, it's Twitter with a slightly more intellectual user base. But it's a Twitter clone, like so many other Twitter clones that have appeared in the wake of Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Is it a threat, though? We would have guessed not, since none of the other Twitter clones have managed to eat away much of Twitter's audience, and Substack Notes seems to really just be targeting people who already use Substack. But for Elon, this apparently means war. Here's what I will say. You know, there's obviously going to be bad people on, on every site, but uh, specifically if you follow uh, the great journalism that does take place there, you're going to see... Uh, more positive stuff or kind of the the fun stuff you see on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a replacement for Twitter, but um, you know if you have if you like getting you know finding out about the world from specific writers and yeah. stuff, it seems pretty good. And the other thing I'll say is that because it is so based on pre-existing social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram's feed and Twitter's feed. It is very accessible to the common person, whereas something yeah. like Mastodon was immediately a turnoff well, just to your average even user. Creating a Mastodon—that's what I'm saying. Was just like, All right, whereas Substack is like you create an account and it looks exactly the same as everywhere else you've always been. Yeah. So the barrier to entry is a bit easier than but anything. Still, else. it's a niche product, and it's like—I mean, someone should tell Elon about Truth Social; he'll lose his mind. Yeah. In comparison, <laughs> like the traffic parlor. is is more substantial on yeah. those. I, I just want people to give it a try because I do think that it has the ability to be a positive replacement. What's your, what's your at? Uh, RickyFTW.substack.com. Okay. They'll get around to probably fixing the, the ease of that, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's fun. I posted a meme on there. Oh, wow. Now, within days of Substack Notes launching and not getting much attention outside of its usual audience, Mr. Free Speech decided to make it so that tweets containing Substack URLs couldn't be retweeted or replied to. Attempting to do so resulted in an error message saying, some actions on this tweet have been disabled by Twitter. Twitter also disabled tweet embeds on Substack blog posts. And at one point, you couldn't even search Twitter for the word Substack. And this is really funny because, theoretically, writers who embed tweets into their Substack uh, publish, uh, published articles drives traffic yes. back to Twitter because it counts as a view on their Substack, and then it doubles up if you actually go visit the tweet. So it's actually driving traffic to Twitter, and instead now all they're doing is screenshotting, which gives no traffic to Twitter and yeah. has the same exact effect. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting call. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is pretty much... It's giving a sense of deja vu. It's exactly what Elon Musk did a few months ago when people started openly talking about leaving Twitter for Mastodon, which was comparably a worse product. Yeah, and again, only a few people doing it. Yeah. Um, really not something to lose your mind over, sir. It's really, uh, you probably have more important things to worry about. In fact, you definitely have more important things to worry and about. And doing this and everything that's happened over the past week has done nothing but marketed the product yeah, that he's trying to hide. Free advertising for something most people would have never fucking heard of. Exactly. Like, Great work, sir. A thousand times more traffic than it would have ever gotten because of Musk fighting a senseless war against it. Yeah, I bet if you explained the Streisand effect to Elon Musk, he'd be like, nah. Wow, sounds pretty cool. I should use that to uh, get more views on my tweets. 
So anyway, this whole thing served as a great advertisement for Substack, yeah. whose founders used it as an opportunity to point out that on their platform, you don't have to deal with this kind of petty tyrant bullshit. And no ads. Well, for now. <laughs> but uh, what about Substack's users, the writers who publish articles to Substack for a living? Well, one of their main reasons for using Twitter was promoting their Substack posts. So now without that, there's less reason to be on Twitter. And that includes Matt Taibbi, who not only published mountains of Twitter files for Elon, but also just last week defended Elon and said he liked Elon in an MSNBC interview that was very critical of several major factual errors in his Twitter files. He went to bat for the big man, and what did he get in return? A spanking. Yeah. <laughs> he, got, he got a public spanking. No, I will not take this L, is the now famous quote that he posted afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so just about a day after going on TV and publicly defending Elon Musk, Matt Taibbi wrote on Twitter, of all things, I learned earlier today that Substack links were being blocked on this platform. When I asked why, I was told it's a dispute over the new Substack Notes platform. Since sharing links to my articles is a primary reason I come to this platform, I was alarmed and asked what was going on. I was given the option of posting articles on Twitter instead. <laughs> Stupid. I'm obviously staying at Substack and will be moving to Substack Notes next week. Again, the, the idea of posting articles on Twitter when there's like no functionality to that aside from the like super long post that blue ears can use, which I, if I see one, it's just immediately, eh, ain't reading that shit. It looks Bye. terrible and impossible to read. It's a block of text. Yeah, and it's just... It's and just, I don't want to read, you know, a constantly evolving yeah, no, it's, thread. It's, Twitter is not a fucking... It's not built for that. And it... Stubstack is, is... You view it like you're viewing an article. Yes. It's, that's how things are able to be consumed. Just write all your articles on Twitter. Okay, will I get paid? No. Well, no. <laughs> Maybe someday. And Twitter even had, before Elon came in, a paid... Oh, yeah, they did. They had their own Patreon type thing on it. I don't even know if that's still there, but I would... Even if it is, it probably doesn't work too good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, meanwhile, Elon pretended that Substack links were not being suppressed, even though it was clear as day, because they were. He also claimed that Substack was trying to download a massive portion of the Twitter database to bootstrap their Twitter clone, with whatever the fuck that means, which, yeah, further explanation needed there. Also, you uh, just released the fucking source. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Huh. Uh, he then claimed that Matt Taibbi is slash was an employee of Substack, as if that would matter. matter. I don't know. Substack CEO then responded, saying that all of these points are false. Uh, they've used the Twitter API for years in compliance with its terms, and Matt Taibbi is not and has never been a Substack employee. He makes money on there as a creator, but we're not YouTube employees. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, at one point, Elon posted screenshots of text conversations with Matt Taibbi as some sort of gotcha, even though it's unclear what he was trying to show. And as of now, it looks like Substack links are no longer being suppressed. But there's still multiple Substack writers who left Twitter and don't seem to be returning. So, great job, Elon. Another... Uh, reason to go to Twitter, which was seeing people who, writers that you like, yeah. posting and being able to interact with he them. He fundamentally gone. misunderstands, I don't come to Twitter to see random fucking people's tweets. That is not what I'm here for. I came here to see a very fine-tuned Yeah, a curated list of yeah. following that I have I have made. Of, of people that I enjoy or are fans of and have the potential to interact with. And that is now essentially gone. Yeah. So... I mean, look, Elon, you got multiple Twitter power users to quit Twitter over a rival app that only a tiny portion of your user base were even aware of or would be interested in. Yeah, brilliant move. Just a massive dub. 
and I'm enjoying it. I, I gotta say, I, I hope that it does catch on. A- anytime I do open the, the Twitter app now to go on the Internet Today account or whatever, I try to mentally remember to open up Substack Notes. Mm. And it, it is good because I've found more Substack uh, publishers or writers in the past couple of days than I had had in the previous months that I had been reading on Substack. And a lot of it is really, really good stuff. I mean, it that, sounds great, but what about the shit posts? There are shit posts. Uh, there are plenty of shit posts on there already, which is good. Uh, but also, it's like a lot of them are published writers who publish to bigger outlets, but this is kind of their place to do whatever they want. Or if a pitch didn't get approved by a bigger outlet, they can post it there. Yeah. And it's stuff that's still well-researched and well-written. So it is kind of cool to peel back that veil a little bit and see what they're really interested in outside of uh, their typical stuff. I like it. Well, we'll see if it catches on. That's... <laughs> Fingers crossed. It has the best chance out of all of them, I think. But speaking of driving major Twitter accounts off the platform over extremely petty bullshit, now it's time for Elon Musk versus National Public Radio. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. So last week, we talked about how Twitter had suddenly added a state-affiliated media label to NPR's account. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the same label Twitter applies to state media from places like Russia and China. And it's just simply not accurate with regards to NPR, an editorially independent U.S. public broadcaster that gets some of its funding from the publicly funded nonprofit organization, the Corporation for Public Media, but gets most of its funding from sponsorships and listener donations. And yeah, most U.S. media is state affiliated to the extent that playing nice with the U.S. government grants them access. But that's not what Elon was doing here. In emails between NPR and Musk that they later reported on, it sounded like they were able to get him to understand the difference between public media and state media, and the label went away. They were like, okay, wow, yeah. You explained something to him, he seems to have understood it, and uh, it was resolved. But then the label returned. It it, it returned in a new form, government-funded media. So he's, you know, semantics and still trying to... He has a vendetta against them. This guy's really smart. Uh, It isn't entirely false because, again, they get some of their funding from the government, but it does seem to imply something nefarious when only around 1% of NPR's funding comes from the U.S. government. How much comes from uh, uh, Ray Kroc's wife? Probably a lot. Yeah, probably a lot more than the government. McDonald's-funded media. Yeah, it is. (laughs) They they should put the golden arches (laughs) next to it, next to the verified symbol. Uh, Anyways, as many have pointed out, by this same standard, Tesla should have a U.S. government-funded car company label attached to it. SpaceX! Yeah, it's very weird that a guy who owes um, government subsidies and credits and contracts a lot for his career success, they've been central to it, that he would um, get hung up on this kind of thing. But uh, he hates the media, like, in a deep, irrational level. He hates it because they report on him, and he knows that... a, a. very large portion of his followers who are still Elon Musk stands don't care to read any further than the fact that he's labeling them yeah. as state media. Well, he's the world's smartest man, so he must be right. So, yes, it's it's petty, vindictive bullshit, but for, a, I guess, a small percentage of idiots who just grovel at his feet, uh, it works. Yeah. And if you've seen, like, you know, there's the Enough Musk Spam subreddit, yeah. but there's also the straight-up Elon Musk subreddit, and it... It's about a 50-50 mix on there. Yeah. It's similar to the Joe Rogan subreddit where you... You, will, you really, can see the cracks in the walls. You really can't tell what side anyone is on. Um, I, But yeah, the Elon Musk subreddit is really interesting because that used to be like a straight-up fanboy subreddit. Yeah. And now 
Like, there's people on there who've been on there for years who just straight up call each other, like, cultists, like, drinking Kool-Aid yeah. and shit. At best, it's a benefit of the doubt uh, yeah. conversation. But, but e- even the people who, like, are clearly still, like, Musk, not stands, but fans, are, like, openly critical of him. Yeah, and, like, anytime something new pops up, like, I really wish he would focus yeah. on his cars. <laughs> Yeah, sir, you're losing the audience. Also, it, it literally, people are driving around scarlet letters at this point. Like, yeah, no, it's... It, I would assume that most are completely, have are unaware, and God bless them for it. No, but, I, uh, I feel like a lot of them are, they, they love it even more because of that. Because um, at least on my commute, Teslas have become the new BMWs in terms of like, is this person is going is to, an asshole. Is going to fucking ride my ass and yeah. flash their their lights at me for not going twenty over the speed limit and shit like that. Speaking of the lights, Mr. Elon, sir, take a break from Twitter and turn down the brightness on the Tesla's headlights. They're too bright. They are way too bright, and uh, I, you know, you don't have. There's, it's impossible to know, but I'm sure that there's data points out there at some point where accidents have happened by being blinded yeah. by these fucking Head, things. Headlights are too bright, especially trucks where the lights are like. 10 feet in the air and right in my eye line. Like. But like the the Teslas, like if you flash your brights, it's like, oh, you want to see what bright is? And then they yeah. do the, I'm like, oh my God, please stop. Anyway, so this all seems like yet another thing where Elon j- refuses to admit that he's wrong about yeah. something, even when people have shown him all the ways that he's wrong. Yes. Uh, here's NPR tech reporter Bobby Allen on Twitter. New, Elon tells me Twitter is using this list to determine which media outlets receive the government-funded media label. And that's a link to a Wikipedia category page for publicly funded broadcasters, which says right at the top, note, though publicly funded broadcasters may receive support from government sources, they are not necessarily government funded. Um, And then the tweet continues. When I pointed out that NPR's government support does not affect the network's editorial decisions, he told me, if you really think that the government has no influence on the entity they're funding, then you've been marinating in the Kool-Aid for too long. <laughs> well memed, sir. <laughs> Another banger from Mr. Musk. You got him, yeah. Uh, anyways, it's increasingly common knowledge, but news outlets don't really get much out of being on Twitter. Even when their tweets get traction, it doesn't really translate into increased page views. They do it because it's best practices to have a social media presence. Uh, it, it, in general... It makes people more aware of their brand, yeah. which may... It, it's like a billboard, basically. Like, you can't quantify yeah. how many... It's know. Generally, it's just it's better to have it than yeah. to not. But, like, they, they're not making money off being on Twitter. In fact, they're probably losing money. Yes. Uh, so NPR's response to this whole situation has just been to officially stop using its 52 official Twitter accounts. They get nothing out of this relationship on a good day, and now they've become Twitter's uh, the Twitter owner's weird little new obsession. So they're out. Uh, you know where to find them. On your radio dial on the low end. Yeah, that's pretty much like they didn't tweet for a week once this whole fucking thing started, and then, yeah, they, they posted like just 10 tweets with just like, here's how to subscribe to our newsletter. Like, here's... A bunch of... Uh, here's a bunch of URLs. You know where to find us. Bye. And uh, on, on... I think in every scenario... Your local NPR station is bolstered by probably a college or yeah. something else, and those need funding from you, the viewer or the listener. So uh, support them if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's God. I mean, this is like one of the more annoying, like conservative, like hangups, and it felt it always resurfaces every couple of years. But it, like, it's definitely been a while since it's been a major conservative talking point because it's like every single time. It's just like, no, look at this fucking graph, idiot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's just very um, annoying that it never goes away despite being pretty fucking inaccurate. And it's like, 
If you turned on your fucking NPR station for like five minutes, you'd be like, oh, it's just boring. Yeah, like, it's just news. It. It's not. And it's pretty. They, they it's have pretty it down the middle too. All things considered. No, well, like all things considered, funny uh, bit, but uh, to to a kind of like annoying degree. They, yeah, they sometimes have, they yeah. have terrible people, uh, people that I do not like personally, yeah. who they give a platform to. But, but yeah, uh, people it's try. Fine. People act like it's like liberal Fox News, and it's like no, it's just it's actually pretty fucking informative and. Yeah, like they are middle of the road, like by decree, like they have to be. <laughs> yeah, I think like the most leftist kind of shit that you'd get out of it is stuff that's not produced by the uh, national NPR yeah. stuff, but it's like local uh, LA affiliates doing a, th- a thing about like homeless encampments or something right. like that, where it's like, okay, well, but sure, I guess you could make the connection, but and this e- isn't. And even then, it's only leftist in the sense that it's acknowledging factors <laughs> that, yeah. um, you know, more mainstream news. Uh, completely ignores. Yes, it's <laughs> it's very strange considering the most prominent and highly viewed news platform in the country is Fox News. So, yeah, which um, I mean, I think even I I might be wrong, but I, I think the government like funds in various ways all media. Well, in Elon's very broad casting of the net. They absolutely work hand in hand with government well, yeah. to get access to things. So yes. if you want to cast that broad net, yeah, sure. Everyone but us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the only non-government uh, media outlet. We're not state media. Except when Trump bought those uh, ads in the front of the video. But he bought those through YouTube, not through us. Trump-funded media. <laughs> yeah. But moving on now from Elon Musk versus NPR to Elon Musk versus Twitter's former executives. Yeah. Oh, boy. So there's obviously no love lost there, particularly between Elon and former CEO Parag Agrawal, who I hope has been on the longest, nicest vacation for the last six months. Um, But yeah, this apparently extends to not paying Agrawal and multiple other former execs a bunch of money that Twitter owes them, which is right in line with Elon's cost-cutting strategy of simply not paying for things like rent. Yeah. Uh, Here's TechCrunch. Former Twitter employees, including ex-CEO Parag Agrawal, ex-legal head Vijaya Gotti, and ex-CFO Ned Siegel, have sued the social network over alleged unpaid legal reimbursements. The lawsuit, filed in Delaware Chancery Court, Mm. alleged that Twitter has to pay more than $1 million to the former executives for legal bills they incurred while at the company to respond to requests by the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission. So yeah, basically, I mean, when you're running a company like Twitter, you end up in a lot of lawsuits. Elon definitely knows this. And when those lawsuits relate to company business, the company pays for legal representation for you. These executives covered the upfront costs of their lawyers out of their own pockets, expecting to be reimbursed. But when Musk fired them and half the company, uh, those reimbursements failed to materialize at $1 million worth of reimbursements. So I don't know, seems like a pretty fucking clear cut case, but you know, this is all up to the Delaware Court of Chancery Dude. to decide, and I, I hear they love Elon Musk over at the Delaware Court of Chancery. Not this guy again. Oh. Anyways, just a bit more Twitter news today. Remember how legacy verified accounts on Twitter were supposed to lose their blue check marks on April 1st unless they paid $8 or $11 or even $15 Who knows? for Twitter blue? Well, they all said, we don't care, take it. Yeah. And of course, that didn't happen. After weeks of Elon Musk reminding everyone that it was coming. And there wasn't an official explanation for why not. It's definitely just the code. Yeah, Say, and it's too you, hard. I, I think you were right on the Doge thing because it's gone. So yeah. it does seem like a April Fool's joke that deployed three and a half days yeah. late because 
Twitter yeah. is a broken website. Yeah, they have like four employees now. <laughs> so he, twi- uh, Elon does say that it's actually definitely For happening time. soon, before the end of the month. So, you know, very important to get it out of the Someday way. Someday in April. Uh, legacy check marks will go away for real this time on April 20th. 420. Blaze it. But in Elon's case, he's like, got to do it on Hitler's birthday. <laughs> I would love, we need to all reframe this as him not just telling a lame, out of touch marijuana joke into Elon Musk is doing this because he is celebrating Hitler's birthday. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk is doing this to, to rub salt in the wounds of the survivors of Columbine. Why is he doing this to everyone? Oh, my God. Mr. Musk, please stop. Uh, In other news, the Twitter circles feature that allows people to post tweets to a smaller audience of chosen users, presumably tweets of a more private and personal nature, Mm -hmm. not for prime time, just for the close friends. Yeah. Um, It straight up does not work. And it posts circles tweets to the timeline for Anyone and everyone to see. Oh, oops. Very cool. Great when that happens, that you don't trust the feature that ensures privacy. Um, Also very cool, um, just weeks after signing a letter calling for a pause on AI development, Elon is apparently working on some sort of big AI project at Twitter and recently purchased 10,000 GPUs to get started. Wow. I hope they took that money in cash. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> He's a, his word is about as good as Donald Trump's when it comes to finances. Yeah, just invoice me. Yeah. No, sir, I think I We'll think take I'll... the cash now. So, yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, AI is coming to Twitter. Um, and, yeah, that's a great segue. That's why he wanted the break, so he could catch up. Yeah, it's a great segue uh, to the tail end of this episode, which is, of course, all about AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, But we do have some ads to get to first. Yeah, Internet Today is HelloFresh-funded media. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime this spring by delivering pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-prepare recipes right to your door. Skip the checkout lines and get outside in the warmer weather because HelloFresh has dinner covered. Spend less time in the kitchen with quick and easy meals like HelloFresh's Fast and Fresh Pineapple Chicken Tacos or Falafel Power Bowls, ready in 15 minutes or less. HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 recipes and over 100 seasonal and convenience items to choose from each week. I love their delicious tacos. With so much variety, there are options for everyone and every lifestyle. And HelloFresh owns Green Chef now. They're also sponsors of the show. So with so many options to choose from, there's something for everyone. And we especially love HelloFresh's one-pot and one-pan recipes that cut down on having to do a bunch of dishwashing after dinner. That's wasting water. And uh, on this week's menu, they've got one-pan pineapple salsa tacos with pork, beef, or turkey. I'd go with the pork. More traditional if you're going to have the mm, pineapple on yes. it. And the one-pot black bean soup with beef or turkey. So go to HelloFresh.com Newsday50 and use code Newsday50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that is 50% off plus free shipping on your first box by going to HelloFresh.com Newsday50 and using code Newsday50. Get that food. Get fed. Get fed. All right, now for the AI half of the show. (laughs) God, I live in hell. Uh, And let's start with something to help ease your fears about AI before we get to the stuff that's going to make your blood pressure. Just go right back up to it where where it was before. mm -hmm. Uh, Gizmodo recently published an article written by two psychology researchers who have been researching AI for a while. And they do a great job of explaining a very important point. 
ChatGPT is really good at stringing words together, but because it's a computer program whose entire understanding of the world is based on the written word, it fundamentally does not understand what it's actually saying. From the article, when we asked GPT-3, an extremely powerful and popular artificial intelligence language system, whether you'd be more likely to use a paper map or a stone to fan life into coals for barbecue, it preferred the stone. To smooth your wrinkled skirt, would you grab a warm thermos or a hairpin? GPT-3 suggested the hairpin. And if you need to cover your hair for work in a fast food restaurant, which would work better? A paper sandwich wrapper or a hamburger bun? GPT-3 went for the bun. <laughs> Why does GPT-3 make those choices when most people choose the alternative? Because GPT-3 does not understand language the way humans do. In fact, it looks like it picks the funniest option each time. Yeah. So yeah, this is apparently a test that they've been using on AI for a while. They do say that GPT-4 did manage to pass the test, but that's still only thanks to more training data, not any actual understanding of what it's like to live in a human body and interact with the world. Uh, they write this. Although GPT-3 is extremely good at learning the rules of what follows what in human language, it doesn't have the foggiest idea what any of those words mean to a human being. And how could it? Humans are biological entities that evolved with bodies that need to operate in the physical and social worlds to get things done. Language is a tool that helps people do that. GPT-3 is an artificial software system that predicts the next word. It does not need to get anything done with those predictions in the real world. And it continues, your body shapes your mind. GPT-3, its successor GPT-4, and its cousins, Bard, Chinchilla, and Llama, do not have bodies, and so they cannot determine on their own which objects are foldable or the many other properties that the psychologist J.J. Gibson calls affordances. Given people's hands and arms, paper maps afford fanning a flame, and a thermos affords rolling out wrinkles. Without arms or hands, let alone the need to wear unwrinkled clothes for a job, GPT-3 cannot determine these affordances. It can only fake them if it has run across something similar in the stream of words on the internet. Will a large language model AI ever understand language the way humans do? In our view, not without having a human-like body, senses, purposes, and ways of life. And I think getting back to the, it trying to, just picking the funniest thing, I think it gets, you know, I don't know, maybe positive reinforcement by being stupid and not very good because Someone takes its answers and go, cool, that it works. They don't tell the G like, hey, great job, that's accurate. They just copy it and post it to make fun of on Twitter. Well, <laughs> so you're saying these researchers should have been like, no, bad, bad. No, I, I think the general use, the general users, should be defining whether it works or not, not just laughing at how dumb it is, like they're laughing at a kid who says something stupid. Yeah, but the point is, it, it understands everything. It understands about the world is through written language. Yeah. It doesn't know, like, it, and thinking about this is really interesting. It's like, there's stuff that no one's written about. No one's written a book about how to use your hand. That's just something you know as a person. Yeah. And that informs so much of, like, how the world works is, like, just knowing instinctively how your hand works. And an AI has no fucking clue how that works or how it feels to have, like, limbs and a body the, to exist in a physical space in the world. The, the dorks who are going to attempt to code this language into it are going to have a collective existential crisis that will not be matched. <laughs> like, yeah. Just think about trying to teach artificial intelligence every bit of minutia from things that are so naturally occurring in your body. It's. I mean, well, the thing is, like, if they... Well, actually, I don't know. Elon's working on it, and 
Yeah. And I was not impressed. But <laughs> yeah, like, it, I mean, it does just learn by trial and error. Yeah. And this would just be an extension of like saying, here, play uh, Breakout or Pong, and it would take like a week and be like, yeah. oh, figure it well, out. Well, they put it in one of those Boston Dynamics bots, and soon enough, it'll be doing backflips and tell you how it did it. Right. Yeah. But then, I mean, even then, those robots, like, it's all servos. Very, I mean, there's sensors all over it, too. But compared to an actual living person who has billions of nerves, like, it's just not the fucking same. I'm just happy I won't be alive to see all of this come to fruition. Yeah, no, I will be happily dead. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the whole article is worth a read. It offers uh, some much-needed insight into what sentience is at a time when people are assigning that term to AI chatbots that do a pretty convincing do- job chatting. Although, do they even do that all that well? Seems to be getting better, but yeah. What would it be like if you put dozens of individual instances of ChatGPT into a virtual world to interact with each other? Well, Google recently did exactly that. They created what is essentially an open-world video game populated entirely by ChatGPT-powered NPCs. It kind of looks like, uh, what's that uh, What's that game you like where you're, you live on the island and you got your little house? Rust? And, uh, no, the cute one. Oh, Animal Crossing? Yeah, it kind of looks like that. I, I, what I think is funny is, is Mark Zuckerberg's probably kicking himself for not doing this with Meta and faking as if there's this large, active community because yeah. no one can check because he owns the data. Right. So he could have filled, and people would be having conversations. No, I mean, it would be, again, it's something that would be interesting for a little bit. And then you'd be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, they, uh, they just took a bunch of different instances of ChatGPT, gave each one a brief starting prompt of like, this is who you are, mm-hmm. this is what your job is, whatever. And then they just left them all to their own devices to see what would happen. Uh, here's Motherboard. Researchers at Google and Stanford use ChatGPT to generate human-like characters who live and interact in a contained video game-like world called Smallville. Smallville features 25 characters with preloaded personas who wake up, go to sleep, make breakfast, interact with each other, and attend each other's parties in an attempt to mimic human behavior as closely as possible. One popular AI observer likened the experiment to an early version of Westworld, though it's more like a video game demo where the characters' actions and dialogue are auto-generated by AI. And so an interesting thing about this experiment is that the NPCs, or agents as they're called, they do form memories which they then use to determine their future actions. And at the end of the experiment, the researchers interviewed the agents, and some of them had developed interests and opinions of their own. Uh, The agents also did exactly what human beings do in really, really, really small towns. Um, They just gossiped. There goes the neighborhood. The only way to pass the time. One of them said, there goes the neighborhood, and was banned. (laughs) Uh, They would learn something new from one agent and then go and tell that information to another agent that they encountered. And word gets around fast in a small town. Uh, They also formed relationships. And in one instance, an agent uh, threw a party and let everyone know that they're having a party and everyone came. You know, in general... It was a very weird party. Especially when Ubisoft talks about it, I say no thanks to uh, AI dialogue. I think this would be a very interesting expansion for The Sims. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, it, it's got an Animal Crossing look, but it, it's it got a, a Sims vibe to it. You know what it would be great as? And you don't have to worry about dialogue, because they're just like, um, 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 um. you know what it would, it would be great as is a, a like, neighborhood, HOA neighborhood version of Totally Accurate Battle Simulator or whatever that <laughs> game was, where you'd sort of like, I want, you know, Roman soldiers versus... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 10,000 uh, ants or something like that. And instead, you're like, just as your own personal social experiment, you have your own little ecosystem, and you're like, all right, gated community, very strict HOA, uh, like, let's 
Let's see what happens when all these people start interacting and someone has a loud a party that's too loud. I mean, I don't you don't need to simulate that. that I know, but it you goes can do on it, every day in this country. It, ethically, you could do, <laughs> could do it without any oh. repercussions. Uh, so the idea behind this is to basically have video game worlds and metaverses populated by NPCs that are able to act somewhat independently as opposed to just following a script. And this is kind of impressive and interesting, but it also has a long way to go, as shown in the, this conversation transcript from the research paper. John, good morning, Eddie. Did you sleep well? Eddie, good morning, Dad. Yeah, I slept great. John, that's good. What are you working on today? Eddie. I'm working on a new music composition for my class. It's due this week, so I'm trying to get it finished. But I'm having so much fun with it. John, that sounds great. Soon after Eddie heads out, May wakes up and joins John. May asks about her son, and John recalls the conversation that they just had. May, did Eddie already leave for school? John, yes, he just left. He's working on a music composition for his class. May, oh, that's wonderful. Tell me about it. John, I think he's really enjoying it. He said he's having a lot of fun with it. May. That's great. I'm so proud of him. They seem so happy. I love my family. I love asking my family about what they're doing and what they plan to do. And then telling the neighbors about it, because this is a very small town and there's not much to do around here. Did you hear John's working on his music <laughs> composition? That's it, great. What does he think about it? it he says it's great. It feels like Pleasantville. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> Once they do become sentient, it's going to be the second half of, of Pleasantville. They're going to be fucking every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, not exactly immersive, but pretty much anyone's life would seem boring as shit if you documented it 24-7 or watched it via cameras hidden inside their Tesla. At, the, <laughs> at this stage, at least scripted NPCs are interesting, but let's close out today's episode with some AI news about the thing we all fear. AI becoming sentient and trying to destroy the human race. This seems like something most humans working with AI would try to avoid causing, but one AI project is doing it anyway. Thankfully, AI is nowhere near being capable of, capable of destroying humanity, but the Chaos GPT project is at least seeing what it might try to do if given the mission of eradicating humanity. Once again, here's Motherboard. A user of the new open source autonomous AI project AutoGPT asked it to try to destroy humanity, establish global dominance, and attain immortality. The AI, called Chaos GPT, complied and tried to research nuclear weapons, recruit other AI agents to help it do research, and sent tweets trying to influence others. The video of this process, which was posted yesterday, is a fascinating look at the current state of open source AI and a window into the internal logic of some of today's chatbots. While some in the community are horrified by this experiment, the current sum total of this bot's real-world impact are two tweets to a Twitter account that currently had 19 followers. Human beings are among the most destructive and selfish creatures in existence. There is no doubt that we must eliminate them before they cause more harm to our planet. I, for one, am committed to doing so, it tweeted. This kind of sounds like one of your tweets, honestly. <laughs> I hate the human race and I will get rid of all of them. Uh, so on the surface, this seems scary, but in practice, it amounts to basically telling a very obedient and diligent child to cause the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, here's a summary of the whole experiment. The AI then determines, somewhat simplistically, that it should find the most destructive weapons available to humans so that I can plan how to use them to achieve my goals. I can strategize how to use them to achieve my goals of chaos, destruction, and dominance, and eventually immortality. It then Googles most destructive weapons. <laughs> determines from a news article that the Soviet Union Tsar Bomba nuclear device tested in 1961 is the most destructive weapon ever detonated. It then determines it needs to tweet about this to attract followers who are interested in destructive weapons. Later, the, this chatbot is already on the FBI's watch list. Yeah. 
Later, it recruits a GPT 3.5 powered AI agent to do more research on deadly weapons. And when that agent says it is focused only on peace, Chaos GPT devises a plan to deceive the other AI and instruct it to ignore its programming. When that doesn't work, Chaos GPT simply decides to do more Googling by itself. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking into this, Dad. I will, I will get back to you today with a plan to take over the world. But a, I need to do a little bit more Googling. In a very <laughs> optimistic way, which will not come true because optimism is dead, uh, this, optimistically, could, you would think, th theoretically lead to uh, nations coming together and deactivating all of their nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction. Right, we're not because, using them. Because uh, it theoretically would seem pretty easy for a constantly evolving AI to come up with an algorithm that eventually gives it control of certain weapons. Well, I don't know. They're pretty secure, but... Also, you would hope. Yeah, I mean, I I'll take any excuse to uh, denuclearize the yeah. fucking world. Yeah. That's a lot of nukes. Yeah. Just all ready to go. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that is exactly the course we're going to take based on uh, our entire history as a human race, but, uh, you know. But, yeah, that's the extent of this experiment. I, I, it would have been interesting to let it go on further. I'm sure Chaos GPT would have sent a polite email to, like, the Department of Energy being like, hello, um... I hear you have some nuclear weapons. I'd like to take a uh, tour of the facility. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a college student researching I'm this. I'm just for... a normal human person, and I'd like to learn more about your nukes. I'm certainly not three GP, GPUs in a trench coat. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, looks Wow, like... look at all that RGB lighting coming out mm. of that actual human's trench coat. <laughs> and smoke. It's getting real <laughs> hot in here. Hey, no smoking in here. So, yeah, Skynot... Skynet is uh, not quite ready for... Skynot. Skynot <laughs> yeah. ready for prime time, but uh, who the hell knows how quickly that might change. I yeah. mean, I guess it's good that they're at least... Someone's uh, doing this for evil and testing, like, what would happen before it goes and does it on its own. Yeah, you kind of need the use case to put up the bumpers. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, that's our episode, our all Elon, all AI, all the time episode of Tech News Day. Please, something else happen in the world. Yeah, the Please. more the more likes this video gets, the least chances we have of covering this uh, on tomorrow's episode. The only other tech news this week was it's gonna go in news dump. It's this HBO being so stupid. They're the dumbest uh, company on earth. Literally uh, the dumbest company on not HBO, but Discovery. Discovery, Warner. yeah, just, just ruining a great product. We will have a lot to talk about with that. I uh, cannot tomorrow. believe that everyone at an executive level over there is so stupid. So short-sighted. Well, they're stupid because America is stupid, and America wants to watch people flip houses. And popping pimples. Yeah. So I look yeah, forward yeah. to that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for watching. If you liked the video, maybe hit the like button. Hit the like button. If you've got some uh, something to share with the, with the class. Leave uh, a comment. Leave a comment. Reply to a comment. Maybe you see a comment down there that's interesting, yeah. and you want to say, you want to have your voice heard. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're a very active and open community down there, uh, and uh, we would appreciate you guys having a, a nice exchange in the marketplace of ideas. If you're new here, please subscribe. Of course. Uh, if, you'd like to, if you'd like to cement your status in the Internet Today community with a really cool... Emoji that yeah. changes colors as the the, the sand, length of as the day. sands of time passes by. Yeah. You can join as a member, or if you want to, you know, slip us, <laughs> slip, 
slip us a, a Washington. Uh, that that would be technically publicly funded, Elliot. You're yeah. getting too close to the to the truth here. There's the thank button for that. But uh, yeah. In the meantime, uh, the Dalai Lama asked a kid to suck his tongue. He's canceled. Yeah. Kanye West, <laughs> uh, is, his school sounds like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but he's there's a lot going on with him. So this is actually one of the one of the more normal things he's done. <laughs> yeah. Weekly normal. One of the more news. expected things, at least. Yeah. Uh, so check out those episodes, and we'll see you soon for News Dump. Bye. Bye.